0: You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Church Road and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here is Pastor Bob with this week's sermon. What a liberating place to be. And so of all the places that you could possibly be on a Sunday morning, this is the best place. Now, I don't want to, I'm not, it's not talking about, like, getting rid of all the other churches. Uh, We're not in competition with other churches. Not, we're not in competition with ones that proclaim the name of Christ. Maybe that's a good way to put it. Because we join with them in celebrating who Jesus is. And so, this is the best place to be because in here is where the group of folks that understand the power of the cross and the liberating nature of the cross we get together and we sing and we fellowship, and we encourage, we do all those things that church is supposed to be about. We become family together, praising God together. And so I'm, I'm sure glad that you're here. Uh, we um, started a very short series called Labels last week. And you remember we put name tags on and most of you got your names right. A couple of them, you're still working on it. But, but we, we put those on, and then we said, if we were to give that marker to God, what would God write on that label? What would he put on there for you? Would he put saved? Would he put forgiven? Would he put liberated? Would he put, put gifted and graced? Mercy receiver. Would he write that on your name tag? This morning as we wrap this up, we go back and kind of look at that for just a moment because there was a, a church member who was in that church and John writes with a great deal of passion to this church member. And he says, look, I'm glad that you're a child of mine in the faith and I'm glad that you're following Jesus and walking in the truth. And so we learned a couple of things about this, this church member named Gaius and it says that he walked in the truth he had a relationship an ongoing relationship with christ that he showed his um, hospitality to those that were cutting through itinerant, itinerant missionaries if you will those that were set, sent out to plant churches in that area they would stop through there and this church member showed them hospitality and because he did he was trusted he had a name that would be trusted I don't don't know about you, but to, to be a church member worth following is a big deal. So if we were to put that on the name tag, could that be written on yours? Could that be put there on your name tag, church member worth following? It's a good question. See, I grew up going to church. I was one of those kids that from the time probably before I was born, I was in church. Now, I grew up in a Catholic church. So I grew up a little different than this. I mean, there was the incense and in the, in the table up front and, and all the candles and the stained glass and all those things that you would imagine in a Catholic church, including the ritual of going to church. And so I would go to church every single week. Now it could be Sunday morning, my mom would take myself and my brother, or it would be Saturday night because Catholics would go on Saturday night to fulfill the Sunday obligation and it gave us our Sundays free. You figure it out. So so we went on Saturday night a lot of times, and and it was was good. But I grew up in church, and so from an early age, my name was on the the church roll. And I went through all the things that you go through as a young Catholic. I went through baptism as a baby. I went through First Communion as a second grader. I did confirmation and got a new name as a fifth grader. And I went through all that. And then I got to college, and when I got to college, I started working with a guy, and he introduced me to Christ. He said, you know for certain you'd go to heaven. And I'm thinking, I belong to a church. What more is there? I show up, if I go on Sundays or Sunday nights or Saturday nights or Wednesday, I belong to a church, so I must be okay. And so in jumping through all the hoops, I thought my life was in order. And yet when I when I go back and I replay that conversation that I had with this guy named Robert, I realized that not that church membership was not where it was at. That I needed a relationship with Christ. See, we find our security in things that aren't real secure. You may find your security in where you live or the kind of home you live in. You may find your security in a job or in a paycheck. You may find your security in a hobby. There's all kinds of things we could put our security in, but none of them equal the security that we have in Christ. See, God gave us his son, and it's not something, this security is not something that we can earn by doing things. Now, we may chalk it up to credit for us, but that's not how God looks at it. It's not about what you can do that gives you a status before God or a position before God. It's your relationship with Christ where you say, I've given my life to Christ and it is in Him that I trust. And so I want us to to understand a couple of things as we get ready to finish up 3 John. There's a a guy that we're going to get to talk about him a little bit. His name is Diotrephes. And he's found starting at verse 9... And, and what John, the writer, he says, here's Gaius and here's the, the idea of his life and the truth that he walks in. And then we get to Diotrephes and, and we look at that and we go, okay, here's somebody completely different. And what John says is, he says, I have a passion about you understanding truth. Here is Gaius and here's Diotrephes and you've got to choose which one you think is a better church member and which one is worth following. So you look at that and you go, and it's all about their relationship to God and if they are willing to follow Jesus. And So let's, let's look at this and we're actually going to read the whole chapter. Because we're going to put it all together and, and see how this fits. Because Diotrephes was this guy who was a church member. His name was on the roll, and if you were to ask him, he probably showed up on Sunday morning, Sunday night, when there was one, a Wednesday night, all those different places. And he would be that person. He was involved in leadership. We'll kind of see that. But he had a, a different kind of spirit about him. There was a divisional spirit about Diotrophes. He thought he had an elevated knowledge of what truth was. He kind of adhered to a Gnostic point of view and if you want to read a little bit more about that, go back and read 1 John because John kind of spells it out in these letters and says this is what it means to believe in Christ and to trust him and follow him and this is where people drift off or get off path and Diotrephes was one of those guys. John was trying to guard the doctrine of the early church and he kind of makes this distinction. So would you stand as we read 3 John together? Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, or as if God were sending them. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Greet the friends, each by name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Sometimes the word brings challenges that we look at that we may not expect. It teaches us to to look in, in the mirror and say, what part of this is me and what part is not me? What part do I need to be part of and not part of? So God, as we look at your word this morning, as we kind of look at these characters and and these, these people that John wrote to and wrote about, Father, that you would change and mold us. That you would help us to understand the liberating nature of the gospel and that you would help us to respond in a way that would be appropriate to you giving your gift and dying on the cross for us. That we would be totally surrendered, giving up our life for your life. And so God, take us this morning and grow us. And make us into the people of God you want us to be, not for our glory, but so that you would receive glory, the kingdom would be furthered. God, you would be honored from this corner, not just on this corner, but from it. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We love you. We want you to be praised and honored in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. And so John writes this letter. He says, it's not the only thing that I've got to say to you. I, I want to be there, but I can't, so I'm going to write this, but I don't want to write the rest, of, the rest of what I have to say to you right now, so I'm not going to write it in pen and ink, but I'm going to come and I'm going to share with you. At the very end of that letter, John writes, he says, I want you to greet those in the church. Greet them by name, because I'll know them by name. And the friends that are here, you know them. And so understand that we have this commonality together, and I want you to be the people of God that, that God wants you to be. And so John writes this with a great deal of passion to people he knows, and he distinguishes church members People that are sitting in a pew week after week, he distinguishes them in this letter. And so the first thing I want us to understand is that church member does not... Being a church member or having church membership does not make you a Christian. You understand that? There are plenty of folks that have come down to the front of, of a church... Come up to a pastor or or somebody else that's representative up here, answered a couple of questions, filled out a card, and they're good to go. That does not make you a Christian. Anybody can be a church member. You know how easy it is? It's, It's not very difficult to walk down and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And somebody write your name on a card and turn it in, and that'd be the end of it. See, we, we, sometimes we put in the category of church membership and we say to be a Christian is to be a church member or to be a Christian means that I come to church every single week, that I, I answer questions. I can even answer questions in Bible study. I give to the budget. I eat chicken when it's offered, pizza when it's offered. All those kind of things. I show up and so I must be okay. Church membership does not make you a Christian. I was thinking about a, a story when I went out to Washington State with a group of students for World Changers. I went, went out there and we, we hung out. We were in Bremerton for the week. And one of the things that we got to do was on, a, on our weekday off is we got to go wherever we wanted to go. And so I thought, well, it would be fun to go see Mount Rainier. Which is great. You can see Mount Rainier from a long way off. But I thought, it'd be cool to be up on Mount Rainier and see what we can see from there. And so we started off. And you know, you can see Mount Rainier from anywhere, but getting there is another story. So we drove. And I would see a sign, Mount Rainier, left arrow. So I'd take a left. And I'd follow that for a while. I was like, we're getting nowhere. And the mountain seems to be just as far away now as it did then, as when we started And so I'd see another sign, Mount Rainier, go straight. And so I'd go straight, and I just kept going. And we drove around for hours. Finally got to this spot where I stopped at this gas station. And you know how hard it is for a guy to stop and get directions, right? I stopped at this gas station, walked in, and said, I need to figure out how to get to that mountain that I can see from here, but have no idea how to get there. And the guy was like, really? This is funny. And one of my students came in, and she brought her camera. Because she, she actually took a picture of me getting directions so that she could share it. I thought, oh, this is awful. Well, we finally, we got to Mount Rainier. We got there, and it was so foggy. And by the time we got there, it was dark. About the only thing we could do, they said, don't go any more than about 50 feet from the parking lot, because you could get lost. And so we spent, we spent hours going to a place where we spent 15 minutes in the dark to enjoy and then we went back to, the, back to the school. It was awful. But sometimes, sometimes we don't want to ask for directions because we think we have it all together. And you may be in this place and say, I've been coming to church all my life. I've jumped through all the hoops. But if somebody were to really pin me down on my relationship with Christ, I would not be there. I could not answer confidently that I belong to Jesus. And my fear is that there there are church members whose names are on the roll here and at other places that have no relationship with Christ, but they feel very secure because they walked an aisle at some point. And that is one of the most dangerous places you could be. Because it means you're trusting in what you can do, not what God does. Scripture says, the wages of sin is death, but listen, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It said, but God demonstrated it in Romans 5a, but God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not something that we can earn. If we could earn it, there would be no need for the cross. And so it's something where we have to give our life and accept what God has given us that mercy, and that grace. So church membership does not make you a Christian. You may say, well, look, this is what it says in verse 11. It says, beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. So if I do good, I must be from God, right? Don't miss what, what Scripture says as a whole. The good that you do comes out of a relationship with God where the God putting into you that grace and that mercy enables you to step forward and do the things that God has ordained. Go to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and you understand it's not of works. It is the gift of God lest anyone should boast because you were created to do good works. You're God's workmanship, created to do good works for his glory. The works that that John is talking about here come out of a relationship with Christ. They come out of that. They are not in and of themselves that which earns you heaven or a relationship with God. Please understand that. Doing good is evidence of God's work in you. You don't earn salvation. You don't earn a place in God's family. It is gifted to you. The second thing is church membership does not give anyone the right to bully. You say, well, why are we talking about that in church? Because it takes place. So we might as well just lay it out. Rayner gave these things on a website. If we put up that list, Tom Rayner in Rainer on Leadership, and he does all these blog posts about different things. This is the eight, the eight signs of church bullies. And you're going to say, oh, no. Can't believe he's going there. Okay? They are among the first in the church to tell you how much they love you. I hate that one. Um, they have strong personalities. They are highly opinionated. They're terrible listeners. They build unhealthy alliances. They murmur and gossip. They do most of their toxic work in dark, darkness. And they have been to several churches. Uh, now, I want to tell you, this is not an exhaustive list. We could, you could probably add to it if you wanted to. And I would tell you that you could have that. You could be somebody that has a strong opinion and not be a church bully. So don't, don't get me wrong. If you have a strong opinion, it doesn't mean you fall into this category. In fact, what Rayner will tell you is that usually church bullies have a combination of several of those as characteristics in their life. It gets a little weird. So why do we even look at that? Because when you look at that list, you have to say, if I look at my life, what does my life look like against that? How do I how do I filter my life against that list? So if we do that, helps us to evaluate ourselves. Well, look at the characteristics of Diotrephes. In verse 9, it says, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. Let's just stop right there. So so Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, and that that word means to to seek preeminence. It's that person that, that always wants to be in the front, always wants to be in the front of the line, wants to be first. It's a self-lover. It's a friend of being first is the way the, the Greek would interpret that, how we could phrase that. A friend of being first. So the first thing we see in Diotrephes' life is the idea of pride, being first. The second thing, it says, he likes to put himself first, but does not acknowledge our authority. The second thing is arrogance. So in Diotrephes, we see arrogance. He does not accept the authority of John. So when John writes this he puts out and says I don't think John is right I don't think John is correct and we want to push that to the side because I have a better understanding. It's that whole Gnostic idea that I have a higher truth than you have. And So instead of admitting his own limitations Diotrephes says I've got it all together you ought to listen to me you ought not listen to John. The third thing it's in this next verse. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. The third thing is an insecurity in Diotrephes' life. He unjustly accuses with wicked words. He does public, makes public accusation, but he doesn't base it on truth. So he makes up, he fabricates things for the purpose of causing harm. We would put that in the bully category. We'd say somebody that that would tear somebody else down is insecure. And so what they try and do, instead of building somebody else up, they lift themselves up and tear somebody else down. Church bullies are the same way. They would say, I'm insecure, so we've got to have it this way. And you have to understand my position. And That other person cannot be trusted. and So he would, he would say things against Gaius that would say, Gaius cannot be trusted because he does this, but me, diastrophes, I can be trusted because. And he would lift himself up. The fourth thing is selfishness talking wicked wicked nonsense against us and not content with that, refuses to welcome the brothers. Remember those itinerant itinerant missionaries that would come through? Diotrephes wanted to have nothing to do with them, but he didn't want you to have anything to do with them either. He was selfish. He didn't like the visiting missionaries. He didn't like those who liked the visiting missionaries. It was about Him. And and you've been in churches, and you know this is true, that sometimes growth in any church is threatening to those that are already at the church. Why? Because there's a chance that I'll lose my place. There's a chance that I will lose my influence. And there's a chance I will lose my control. A church that has folks like Diotrephes are in a dangerous place. And the church must guard against that. So John writes strongly against it. It's interesting, I was reading a commentary and um, the commentator recorded this scenario. And Robertson, who wrote an article for a denominational paper on the topic of Diotrephes and his character traits from this passage, he says that the article was not printed. Why wasn't it printed? He wrote it for the paper. It should be printed, right? It wasn't printed because 25 deacons stopped the paper to show their resentment against being personally attacked. I thought, oh dear. I'm glad those deacons don't serve here. It was a telling response. And so, what needs to be our response? As we look at this passage, and we go, okay, I've written something of the church by Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. Are we willing to say, I don't need to be first. It's okay if I'm in the background. And then are we willing to be under the authority of somebody? And then am I going to welcome those who welcome and encourage those who need encouragement? Church membership is a privilege. It's a privilege to those who have a relationship with Christ. And signifying that commitment is, is part being part of the bride of Christ. Uh, I, I sort of worry about folks and say, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to become a member of a church. Uh, the, only, the biggest problem I've got with that is, is that if Christ died for the bride... For the church. Why not become part of the body, the local body that serves the community from the spot? God loved the bride. God is at work in the bride of Christ. He's at work in us because we're an imperfect group of people. Algernon mentioned and he said that if you're perfect, don't come here because you will mess it up. And you will be sorely disappointed because this is a group of imperfect people. God is at work in us to perfect us, to mold us, to make us and mature us. But he's not done with us and so we still mess up. There are times when we still have the characteristics of Diotrephes. There are times when those that pride, arrogance, insecurity and selfishness are still part of our life and we try and rid ourselves of those under the power of God and try and surrender to God so he can change us. So we're not perfect. So God is at work in the bride but he's also at work through the bride. There's a much greater influence that we can have in the community and in our area and in the region and in the world if we do it together. And so when we talk about being a church member, church membership is a privilege because it's the bride of Christ and we get to be part of it and part of what God is doing through it. So the question is, are you committed and connected to a local body of believers? And I guess that is for those that don't have membership here. Why not? God has called you here become part of the body here. So if we say, okay, this is a really depressing thing to look at this and go, if I if I look at Diotrephes' life, how much of that is me? Let's let's talk about the positive parts, the characteristics of a positive church member. So if we if we look at that, the first one is to be humble. To be humble, just over a couple of pages, First Peter, chapter five, verse five, it says. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So the opposite of that pride would be to humble yourself. So that's the characteristics of a a positive church member. The second one is to be teachable. We read about Diotrephes. He refused the authority of John and those that would be around John, even those that were cutting through, but for us, we have to be teachable. First Peter 2, 2 says this. And if you go back to verse 1, it says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So it sounds like all those things that that would be part of Diotrephes' life, put those away, and then, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Long for the pure milk of the word that you may grow up in salvation. Why should I long for it? You want to grow? Long for it. You know how a newborn baby acts when they don't get what they want, right? It's loud. And sometimes it goes on for a long time if they don't get what they want. It's interesting that Peter would use that kind of term, that terminology for us when talks about our relationship to God and our relationship to the Word of God. Like newborns babes, cry, yearn, desire, cry out, be in a place where you have to have it. Long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow up in salvation, that you may mature in Christ. The third part is to be confident, to be confident in Christ. Proverbs 3.26 says this, In verse 325, it says, Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. The Lord will be your confidence. What a great place to be, because if I'm confident in myself, there is a chance that I will slip, I will fall, I will mess up. That is a great possibility. Because I still battle with a sin nature. I have not been perfected. I stand up here as somebody who is complete in Christ, incomplete in the maturing work of Christ. And so when I read that, it's great that I can have confidence in a God who loves me enough to secure me. And continue to grow me and is patient with me when I mess up. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Man, what a place. See, the only way you can have confidence before the throne of grace is if you've experienced the grace and mercy of God. Otherwise, it is terror. It is great fear because of the penalty of sin. It is great terror because of a holy God and the wrath that God would have on sin. So we want to draw near with confidence because of the blood of Christ. So be humble, be teachable, be confident in Christ, and be caring. Be caring. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Starting at verse 18 says this, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If we were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And we could stop right there. We could say, oh, good, all the pieces put together. But there's a reason he puts them together. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet I have no need of you on the contrary the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable there are parts that, that I'm sure are in me and a doctor would know they're in me but I don't pay much attention to them I don't ask the question every day liver you working today? I don't ask those kind of questions I just assume it's working and there are other parts that, that work without me paying any attention at all. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with great modesty, which of our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so comprised the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, and there, that there would be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If that one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So God puts the body together in a way that he puts it. And some of you will be on the platform in front. Some of you will be in choir because that's where God needs you and wants you and wants you to serve. Some of you will be behind the welcome desk. And you're the first ones that people see when, they, when folks come here. And it's the reason we get those reports. This is a friendly church. It's because we have greeters that are friendly. Well, I know sourpuss greeters. If, you're, if your disposition is sourpuss, we don't want you to be a greeter. We don't mind you. Well, I'm not going to mention anything else because somebody may be in that spot. But there is a place for you to serve within the body. It may be in preschool, in student ministry, in our children's area. There are lots of places to fit into the body. But you're needed. There's a reason that God has saved you and it's not to sit in that seat and do The attendance thing is because God has called you to work. Sometimes in front, sometimes behind. But God has called you to work. So caring. The fourth thing. Caring. If you're part of the church body, if you're part of the membership, you care. You don't just slough it off and say it's not important. So, Church membership does not make you a Christian. It starts with a relationship with Christ. So do you have a relationship with Christ? Second thing is that church membership does not give anyone the right to bully. And we use that filter of diatrophies in his life and say, "Do do these things characterize me? Or do these other things being humble, teachable, confident, and caring, do those characterize me? Which parts does God need to work on in me? And so you, this morning, have you committed your life to Christ? I want to, be, I want to encourage you to avoid the temptation to think that you can do it on your own. So during our time of commitment, the, the question's going to be, do you have a relationship with Christ? If you want a relationship with Christ, there's, there's two ways to have that conversation this morning. The first way is to, when everybody stands and we start singing, if you will come down to the front of this area, this, right in front of the platform. We're not going to call out your name. We're not going to say, here's your blood type. Can we have your social security number? None of that kind of stuff. We're going to have a conversation about what it means to follow Jesus. What it means to accept grace and, and receive mercy. It's not threatening. We don't turn you around and go, hey, this is this person. Can you tell your story? That's not going to happen. But there'll be folks here in the front that can talk to you about that and then encourage some further conversation about what it means to follow Christ. The second thing is that you may be in here and you say, "I, I look at this passage like in 1 Corinthians and in 3 John, and I question how good a church member I am. Do I measure up? Am I doing the things that God's called me to do? Have I stepped into the role that God has for me? Am I being a church member that reflects Christ? And I want to tell you that you've got to be in a spot that helps you to grow. It may be in a Sunday school class, a small group Bible study on Sunday morning. It may be in a connect group on a on a Sunday evening in somebody's home. And if you need more information about that, Pastor Curry would be glad to point you to somebody's home. And just hang out, have some food, talk about some scripture passage and talk about what it means to be a church member. That's part of it. it may mean you're in a small group on Wednesday night, but find a spot where you can grow in Christ. There are some, there are some plants, and we've Deb and I did a little bit of research. Um, over the last couple weeks about plants that grow because plants are supposed to grow, right? Plants in my house inside not so much for various reasons. I don't have a green thumb, but neither does Debbie. And so we've got can i can I talk about your ledge? Good, thanks. It's always good to ask that question from here. huh. Um, we have three pots that are supposed to be producing herbs for cooking. Not weird herbs. Herbs for cooking, okay? Three little pots right by the windowsill. And they've been sitting there. And, um, and one pot out of the three has like three little sprouts about this, this big. About two inches is all, all we get out of those. There's no cooking happening with that. If maybe there is, but there's no flavor that comes out of that. And they've been up there, what, a month? Two months. <laughs> See, you could put a you could put something that's growing, a plant, in our house, and it's not going to survive. But there are places for certain plants. You can go outside and look outside, and there are some plants that are supposed to be in shade. Or in part sun. There are some that are supposed to be in full sun. There are some that don't need watering at all, and there are some that that you better have a fire hydrant right next to them if you're going to see any growth at all. We have to find our spot in the body of Christ so that we can grow. And if you go, well, I'm plugged into someplace, but I'm not growing. I, it's not happening in my life. Find another spot, because. Because the idea is that we would grow in Christ and mature in Christ. And so the, the first thing was, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you need to come to know him today. The Second thing is, if you're a church member, you want to reflect Christ. And that may mean coming to down front again, which is a little scary, but coming and just praying at this altar and saying, God, I'm not where I need to be. Or you may come to the front and say, God, I'm exactly where I need to be. Thank you for pouring grace and mercy on me. It doesn't have to be where you come up and folks go, they don't have it together. It can just be one of those things that you want to come here and make that commitment to say, I recognize you, God, for who you are in my life, and I am thankful for that. So maybe you're in that spot. Maybe you're in the spot this morning where you say, I am not a member of this church, but I've been coming to this church for a while and I probably need to join the bride of Christ at this location And and serve here with all its warts and issues and all those things to become part of this family and have the common responsibility as the bride of Christ here. So maybe you need to make that commitment this morning. So the question, what can God do with a church fully devoted to him and connected to each other? We would answer it just real quickly, he can do anything he wants. Well, the way D.L. Moody heard it from Henry Varley in in a barn where they were praying, he says, the world is yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to himself. So the question, will you be the person that is completely surrendered to God so that God can do whatever he wants to do in your life? Let's see the world turn upside down. Let's see what God does with that as a man or a woman or a student for God that is set apart for his purposes. Let's try that out. Let's experiment with that. Let's give it all we have and say, God, I am yours completely. Whatever you want to do in me, let's do it. I want to play church. I want to be more like the first guy that John wrote about, Gaius. I don't want to be like Diotrephes. I want to be that one that is worth following as a church member so that you receive the glory, God, out of me. Let's pray. Father, we come into this place and realize that we are an imperfect group of people. And some of the characteristics we've talked about this morning and last week, some of them fit us. Some of them need to be adjusted. Some of them them need to be encouraged. Father, I pray that we would receive from your word what you want us to receive. And that we would respond in a way that would bring you glory and honor. Not in putting off the Spirit of God and holding on to our pew so tight that we won't let go. But Father, letting loose and saying, God, I'm yours. And so Father, help us to be in that spot during this time. And so whether you speak loudly or softly, we respond correctly. And so God, do that in us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, then please share it with others and check out our ministries at ebcconnect.org.